Hello, I'm Russell Howard, and this is Wonderbox. A Wonderbox is a place where you keep the things that remind you of the stuff you adore. So I thought it would be cool to do a podcast where I ask some people what they put in their Wonderbox and have a chat about the most amazing moments of their lives. My guest today is a brilliant stand-up from the US. He's just completed a world tour of his latest live show, You Don't Say. This is Mark Norman's Wonderbox. So, um, I'm Russell Howard. I'm here with Mark Norman. Hey, hey. And producer Dan Atkinson. And um, we were just chatting about your European tour. You're in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. It's going hard. This is the longest I've ever done. We're 28 days we're doing the whole thing. 28 days away from the US. Yeah. Wow. It's weird. I haven't what heard about What kind of state is your homeland going to be in when you get back? <laughs> I mean, how many school shootings have I missed? <laughs> you know? It's crazy. So, uh, it feels weird being gone this long. I'm actually healthier. You know, I'm drinking every night. I'm eating shawarma and, and all this horse shit, but... The news. I haven't heard about Trump in ten minutes. It's yeah. nice. Do you? And also, it's there's so many different. Like Amsterdam is so different to Ireland. It's so different to Holland. Like that must be a real minefield. No, you're right. It's weird, and the money. You have to change the money. I mean, it's a lot of stuff, and, mm. and the culture's different. But it gives you a lot of shit to riff on up top. Mate, uh, exactly. So, what is the first thing you'd like to put in your uh, in your wonder box? Oh, jeez, wonder box. Well, I think we'll start chronologically backwards. So let let's go with the the leather bondage collar. Okay, that's a big start. <laughs> yeah. What does it What does it mean to you? Well, me and the wife went to the Kit Kat Club in Berlin. Have you been? I've not. No. What is it? It's the sex club. Right. Berlin is known for clubbing and, yeah. and nightlife and all that. So we lit, we did a lot of research. We asked around. Kit Kat's the number one. Hard to get in. It's all leather. You have to dress like a psycho, strap on, ball gag, <laughs> you know, gimp mask. And this is not my scene, but I said, when in Berlin, let's get crazy. And we went. <laughs> it's naked women. It's whipping. It's dropping candle wax. It's One guy had a, his balls out and he was, they were getting squeezed in a, in a gynecology chair it's a feast for the eyes and the senses but while we're in there i was like it's 4 a.m i'm on mushrooms i'm drunk i said we got a bang just just to say we did it <laughs> so we did yeah that's an um i mean let's let's pick that apart okay so what i love most is the research Yes at, yes. at the beginning of this, do you know what I mean? Let's let's not muck around. There's a lot going on in Berlin. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the fact. Yeah. The wall. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we did that too. Yeah, yeah, sure. But how did you happen upon the Kit Kat Club? Well, I think the wife is starting to get bored out here. She was on a lot of the tour with me, and she's yeah. not doing the shows. So she's just kind of like, well, let's get crazy. Let's do something new. And uh, I, I like to just do the show, maybe have a drink and have dinner. But she's like bored, so she says, let's. Do this, and I said, you know what? It's a once in a lifetime. So we went out and bought all the gear. Yes. Spent way too much money on it. Big boots, leather collar, a <laughs> lot of harnesses. And let's not muck around. This is during summer. Yes. So, so presumably you're squelching, you're sweating. Did oh you, yeah. Did you have talcum powder? No, I guess I should have. So what does that, that feel like? If were you so were you dressed as a as a gimp? Were you full leathered up? Well, I went more gay party guy. I had a mesh shirt with short shorts. <laughs> bunch of spikes on everything loops and chains yeah so i kept it light okay a summer gimp yeah we'll say <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. uh, springtime for gimp yeah and uh yeah but, and we got in there and it, it is just holy moly but it was hard to get in what's that moment like in the queue when you're kind of dressed like that thinking 
<laughs> it sucks because I didn't know that you're supposed to wear a, a trench coat and then you get in there and you reveal oh my yourself. God. Yeah. I'm walking around on Broadway eating uh, eating donor, whatever that is. And yeah, donor kebab. I'm gonna yeah. be. You went for a kebab before. I have photos of all this, and so now we're on the street with you know old ladies walking by, a guy reading the paper, having a smoke, and yeah. I, I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm weird. You're like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. my wife. She's incredibly bored. We've done all of Europe. <laughs> yeah. The worst, we took those scooters there, those those bird scooters that you yeah. sign up. So the whole thing was horrible. We didn't know what we were doing. Then you get to the queue, and it's a big buff guy who's the bouncer, and he goes, this is shit. You look like hell. What's wrong with you? We're like, oh, we don't know. But he's just that's just part of the fun. They fuck yeah. with you. And then they let us in. And then it's just like, holy hell, this is, I'm way out of my element here. I walk in, there's a girl doing a line, and then I see a guy, like a fat guy, fucking a really hot woman on a bed. And you see a woman getting whipped, and then there's a tango room, there's a pool room, there's yeah. a, an old people naked room. Oh. I mean, it just kept going. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> not to cast uh, aspersions, but the, the German language is an awful language. Ugh. And I imagine when you hear it in the throes of sexual pleasure, it's probably the worst... It's not, it's, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's and, like, imagine like Arnold Schwarzenegger's maid, like if a mouse, <laughs> if a mouse ever crept into his house, uh, <laughs> you know. And yes is da in German, I believe. So yeah, it's, it's like, ja, da, ja, 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 you know, with the woman screaming, it was, yeah, it was crazy. But what, And what do you do uh, the day after that? Uh, you feel shame. You feel weird. <laughs> a little burning. Uh, we I banged the wife on a on like a massage table that was laid out, and I my dong popped out and hit the table at one point. I put it back in, so I'm a little nervous about that. But I sanitized. I just dipped my dick in Purell. But um, the worst part was that the worst part. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The worst part was we're going at it, and I was like, oh, this is I'm actually getting. I might. First of all, the fact that I got hard is uh is, you know, a godsend. I can't believe that happened. But we're going at it, and a guy taps me on the shoulder, and he goes, uh-huh, me next? Oh. And I was like, oh, get the hell out of here. But it's a sex club, so you can't really, it can't shame the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's probably done this a million times. I'm the new newcomer, no yeah. pun intended. And I'm banging, I'm banging, and then I look to my left, and there's a guy just jerking it. And oh. I go, all right, that's it, I'm out. And that, that, that killed it. I mean, <laughs> it was Louis C.K. Oh, no, but uh, yeah, that that ruined it. I, I could deal with the tap, but the the jerk guy, I was done. Yeah, you sort of, you must need like horse blinkers. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, that's the, the bit of just the blinders, just the leather, just to stay on target. Right. Well, I wish I was hung like a horse. And what was the music? Are we uh, talking? Like, is it that kind of... Not really. It's a subtle music. There was a live band in one room. There Fuck was a, there was a me. Room. Imagine there getting was... that book in. I know. Like... But they do have the unchi unchi, and that's a whole other room. Everybody's sweating and pole dancing. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's it's out of a movie. Yeah. But the, the, just the call up to, you know, you're, you're a good musician, you've got the skills. <laughs> and then uh, essentially you're keeping Germans in beat. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just like... Do, 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 do. I don't know. Fuck, man. I remember seeing in Berlin, I saw a sign that said it was a luxury bondage and oh, wow. surely call it Pimp My Gimp. Oh, that's but, great. But secondly, I was thinking the luxury part of it confused me. Yeah. Because I just can't imagine if you had kind of like diamonds in a whip. Yeah, right. You're going to be worried. About, dam about damaging them. And sure. I can't imagine, like, anybody... I guess this is why these clubs exist, but 
I just can't imagine anyone looking on going, someone's doing all right for himself. Yeah. Like, but, do you know what I mean? But surely the point of bondage is hitting. Yeah, that's a high-end whip over there. I'm not, and, so do you do you still have all that stuff that you, all the leather stuff? Well, this is the embarrassing or part. Or did you burn it like an episode of Top Boy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is, but we went through security and of course my bag went woo-woo and I was like, oh, it might be the drugs or the mushrooms or the pills. And the guy pulls out the, the collar and he's like, what's this? And I was like, oh, Kit Kat. He goes, oh, okay, okay. And I was like, woo! So all the drugs got through, but the bondage collar, that... that... So that was what they kept behind? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And I was just like, keep it, man. And presumably, do you have Kit Kats in America? No, no, this is all new no, to no, me. The, the chocolate. The chocolate, yeah, give me a break. Yeah, yeah. so that's what I mean. But presumably now, whenever you, like, you know, I don't know if you've got kids... No. If you're planning on having kids. Eventually. Yeah, but there's going to be a moment when your children, they're going to, hey, Daddy, can I have a Kit Kat? <laughs> and, and you're going to glaze over. Right. And, and these poor kids are like, well, what is it? What is it? Why is that hard? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's true. Boy, that's a good point. I never thought about that. One, you can never watch a German person play tennis. That's going to freak you out. Oh, yeah. Just the noise. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know that grunting too yeah, well. Man. Oh. When I went to Germany, the thing that freaked me out was I um, I went to a sauna, mm. just a straight, normal sauna in like a leisure center, all, all nude. Oh, yeah. Not allowed to wear trunks. I don't know what it is like in America. Like a bathhouse kind of? Yeah, but it was sort of that thing. And I got told off by seven. And this, the honest truth is I saw like there was one old lady in the sauna and she was naked. I'd say she's probably about 60. Yeah. And I genuinely thought someone's nan's had a breakdown. Uh-huh. because everything was hanging out and I kind of <laughs> contemplated going to the desk going it's not right she's, do you know what I mean I, yeah, I think yeah. somebody should pick her up because she's in there sweating she, oh. the new Nas out and whatnot and then I saw like six of them yeah. and suddenly figured out that I was the wrong guy oh no <laughs> and they told me to take my shorts off and I did in but for some reason put on a German accent so I just, do you know what I mean it was that weird, I just went shari yeah. <laughs> like, sort of the weirdest way of getting naked but what a weird place to go where they're they're mad at you for not yeah you well that's what I mean that's it was, crazy it was really odd Germany's such a fascinating place it really is there's, and and there's so many different because Berlin is so different to Munich you know right. Munich's very traditional Berlin very kind of uh, I don't know if you've been Dan but it's very kind mm. of like sort of ugly the yes. bu- the buildings are all Beige kind of and gray. Yeah, broken yes. smashed and yet there's this kind of weird sort of underbelly very there's lots of loads of kebab places very sort of turkish influenced place as well really yeah. weird yeah a lot obviously the bad history i made fun of that on stage for 20 minutes but they're cool with it they get it and uh but you're right we went to the history the berlin history museum yeah and you know it's all nazi stuff obviously and uh how were you dressed a ball gag yeah, no but we went to that and they, they they're they very strict like we were hitting up against the clock they're like you gotta get out of here you're up against it there's a train waiting I'm like this is a little on the nose but uh, it was it's still a very strict city they're very stern people they're very blunt and they come at you hard those yeah. people but great experience great time didn't love the food have you had um, an Indian curry since you've been in the UK? Not yet. That's Today's the, the thing, day. That's the thing you've got to do. Because it's. The, I, I would argue it's the one cuisine the British do very well. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'll try it because I love Indian food. We're, well, we're all honkied out, you know. You know, the, the Chinese came to America and nothing sold. And then they had to add sugar and salt and spicy, whatever. And now it sells. But I went to China and the food sucked. Yeah, it's hard. Like when you go, if, like, you go to China, if you gig there. 
Yes. Yeah, that's a weird. Did you have the? Did you have to send your script in advance? No, I didn't do that. Mate, I had to do that. Really? Yeah, yeah. So the government checked it over. I kid you not. Yeah. What? And there were people there checking. Wow. And um, obviously I deviated because they got a script from a place called Swindon. I don't mm. know if you've been. Mm-mm. But I was talking about Swindon at this gig, and there were officials from the government genuinely going, "Why, why didn't you mention Swindon? Because <laughs> like, I'm in Beijing." <laughs> but like, genuinely, that was their job. It was very, and they were talking about Bjork and don't say this and don't. Wow. Say, yeah, it was really heavy. You didn't have any of that. No, no, I don't think my gig. This is years ago. It was small gigs, so I don't think they gave a shit. But we bitch about cancel stuff all the time. But that stuff is real. It was, it was really strange. They, I really remember them following us around. And wow. It was odd. It was a very Odd, and I sort of just was like, nah, this yeah. is this isn't for me. Just the idea that every night somebody would be there with a clipboard, yes, checking. It was Jeez. it was pretty heavy. Nerd alert. Yeah, let, let me let me live. <laughs> well, I was talking about chicken feet uh-huh. because that's one of the sort of delicacies they yeah. have over there, and I just couldn't get my head around it. Right, just too utter silence. <laughs> But I, I stand by that. Why would you eat chicken? F- I, the rest of the chicken, f- the only bit of the chicken I wouldn't eat are the feet because yeah. that's the you know they're covered in shit sure you know that made total sense just utter silence you know when you sort of just dig in and go yeah, yeah. I just gotta push harder and I'll right. find it but and they're yeah. like that's not weird here we don't see the angle that's so, you, you're, so you're very well travelled all of a sudden look at ah, you I'm trying I'm trying to get out I'm 40 now I'm pushing it you know New York aware on you and I think America's in a bad place so I'm getting out and seeing the other shit yeah yeah. But is there is there a part of Europe that you've sort of travelled around recently and you've gone that could be me I could stay there I don't know. It's you a... should stay in this club forever. <laughs> Not that. Oh, God, that was that was terrifying. My asshole tightened up when he did that. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, Lisbon is so pretty, and the and the old buildings and the cobblestone, but it just is a little boring. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm a I'm a American through and through. So I don't know if I could do it. I could do it for like if I got if I was an art thief and I stole some paintings I could live in Lisbon in some little tower and look at the sea all day but even Amsterdam which is so pretty and the canals and the little houses and everything I just I don't know I couldn't do it I need a little little more fun like in China I went to China super cool but there's no one palling around you never see a guy in China like hey you fucking guy you know get a guy in a headlock I need a little of that and I feel like that that's missing out here. Yeah, it's funny because I often like I've got a mate of mine that lives in Sweden and he's English and he always talks about banter. Yes. Like, so that's our like I guess yours is uh, I believe busting each other's balls. Yeah. But, Which London has. London yeah, but, I could probably do the most. But it's sort of that thing where it's it's piss taking, isn't it? It's yeah. just sort of gallows humour. Yes. But there isn't that. I've got a mate of mine called Adil who lives in Sweden, and the sort of immigrants have that. F- like they kick the shit out of each other yeah. but in a way that the Swedes don't generally. Right. You know, like I had a theory about the reason COVID did okay in Sweden. They are a naturally socially distant people. Like, mm. Do you know what I mean? You don't need to separate them. They show their love through cakes, but they're they're kind of very distant, very stoic. Whereas you know the Italians on each other. I love Bang. it. Buongiorno. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, whoa, 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 let's just separate this. Right, so, yeah. right. Well, it's the reason you know Boston is so funny. Like Irish people, it's all the immigration. Like they come here, they feel weird. Black people are so funny. I think you need a little of that outsider thing. What is your kind of day to day? Like when you're in New York, uh, you live in New York. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, yeah. So when I like I watched the Comedy Store documentary, obviously the story in L.A. Yeah, and uh, I know about the cellar and I know the history. Sure. Of it, and I'm so envious of those two places in particular 
and the kind of stories where you can just rock up, yes. do five gigs in a night, yeah. figure out a bit, and then by the end of the weekend, you've got it. In Europe, the, none of that exists. Yeah. But the very fact that you have a place where it feels like you can fail, how great is that? It's the best. As Einstein says, failure is just success in progress. You know, you just got to go fail and fail and get it out. Like, I see Louis jump around, and he would bomb for months, and then a couple days later, it'd be killing. Yeah. You know, you need that that uh, workout space. Yeah. I live two blocks from the Comedy Cellar. Every club is kind of in lower Manhattan, mostly, so you can just jump around. You get on a city bike, or I have a, a moped, and it's so easy. Like, five years in New York is probably, like, 15 in Cleveland. Yeah. You know? But uh, New York, for me, day-to-day, wake up. Have a little breakfast, and I do like three podcasts a day. Then at night I do sets, and then on the weekends I do the road. How do you relax? I don't like relaxing, really. Yeah. Sometimes I'll burn out and just be like, all right, I need a day. But, you know, you get to relax on the plane, you get to relax in the hotel room. What's so fascinating, given that you are, you're a gag man, you're an old-fashioned one-liner. Zingers. Just ding, 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 ding. Yeah. But... Your backstory is fucking wild. Weird backstory. And, and kind of fascinating that there's a lot of kind of storytelling comics yeah. who would be all over. Your, do you know what I mean? Would, <laughs> I can't do it. I just yeah. can't do it. But do you think that comes, that sort of inability to relax comes from the fact that your childhood sounded so fucking crazy? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. And I'm I'm a bit of a coward with uh, silence and it's too awkward. So I need those zingers. I need, people say, boy, you're a real joke guy. I'm like, I don't know how else to get laughs. What, what, what are you going to, what do you do up there? Fall down? Yeah, yeah, Fart? Yeah. I don't know how else to get... <laughs> Get people going. So yeah. I have to have punchline after punchline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a bitch to write. But yeah, my childhood was crazy. And everybody's like, how is this not a show? How is this not a one-man thing? And I'm yeah. like, I don't know. I I can't do it. I just don't feel like... I can sit down and write and I don't care. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. I, I have. You know, these people tell a story like, you know, I shit myself on the bus. And I'm like, who cares? <laughs> tell us about the world we all live in. I don't care about you shitting yourself. Yeah. But that's not how I should look at it, because you tell your shit story, and they go, I shit myself once, and now they're relating, but I, I don't have that. That's so interesting. So you, so you have no interest in you, in... In myself, nothing. <laughs> right. But, I, you know, a gay culture is fascinating, or women are weird, or what's up with that wheelchair, or yeah, what's yeah. going on with dogs. To me, that's interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating. I what? got no interest in me. What's next in the box? What are oh. we slinging in? Oh, an Allen wrench. Allen wrench is a... Uh, What's an Allen wrench? Allen wrench he is... sounds like an old-fashioned wrestler. <laughs> Meet Allen wrench. Very kind of, very British. Yeah, he'll tell you. I'm Allen wrench. Um, I've, got no. your, I've got a dog that'll bite you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a certain kind of tool to put together a skateboard. Okay. Skateboarding was a huge part of my life. I never did organized sports. It was too much commitment, too many rules. Skateboarding, you wake up, you run outside, you go all over the city jumping downstairs and it was like a gang of four or five guys it's uh, very similar to comedy in what respect well it's individual yeah and there's a little tribe that you all hang out with you talk about skateboarding and it's a trick like a kickflip or anything like that is like a bit where you have to learn it over and over and fail and then you got it down and yeah. then it works yeah and it's you have to push yourself and then you want to do a kickflip downstairs, then keep going, and then grind a rail. And it's like doing a, a set, mm-hmm. you know? And it's it's uh, it's very parallel. Do you still do it now? I'm too old and, and gay, and I'm hungover, so I can't really get it together. But I got old videos of me, and I, I look back, and I'm like, I don't know how I did that. 
Really? But the cool thing about skateboarding is it looks so fluid and it looks so impressive, much like stand-up, where you're like, this guy's just up here talking, killing. Yeah, yeah. But it's actually so much meticulous learning and where to put your foot and how to do this and all that. So it looks impressive, but it's actually a ton of just fundamentals. Right, right. Much like boxing. You know, you see a guy boxing, wow, that's a tough guy, he can kick anyone's ass. But it's actually like parry, parry, jab, hook, you know, it's there's a lot behind it. And I love that. But also, I guess the thing with skateboarding and stand-up, it's like if you're working on stuff or you're kind of writing stuff, you can sort of lose yourself in it. Yes. It, it, isn't, it isn't that sense of like kind of going, oh, I better do some writing. It's like hours can pass by because you're trying to think of the perfect word yes. that, that just opens everything. Totally, totally. Yeah. But then some rando, some random guy sees you and he's like, oh, it's a funny guy. Russell's yeah. a funny guy, but it actually took so many hours of tweaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but skateboarding's it, the same way. It's not interesting. And was there one moment when you were skateboarding as a kid where you sort of like that was your pinnacle, that was your that was your Tonight Show moment, <laughs> like, but that you sort of look back on? Do you yeah. have flashbacks of like all the time? And everywhere I go, I say, "Oh, that's a good ledge. Oh, that's a nice set of stairs." It, it's always in you. Uh, I got pretty good, and then you start getting older. You start drinking. You start wanting to meet girls. So it kind of you start pushing skateboarding aside because it is a toy yeah. at the end of the day. At, at my peak, I was pretty good and we filmed everything and we made these videos of ourselves. Yeah. You know, much like a special. Can you imagine a combination of stand up comedy and skateboarding? Oh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> imagine that you just doing a, like a proper evil Knievel style kind of skateboard flip. Yes. Just five minutes of kit and then back to some more tricks <laughs> and maybe a song. That would be cool. Ultimate entertainer. Oh, my God. You get a little everything. I often thought that when I was young. I remember seeing Jason Statham do backflips. What? In, um, was this lock stock? Mm -hmm. And I had this sort of image where, because I just started doing stand up and I was like, fuck me, imagine if you could just do stand up and then just do a minute of backflips. Wow. And then, but you know when you're like, I was like 18. Yeah. For, for some reason, I thought that would be the pinnacle of entertainment. That would kill if you did it one would. at the end as a, as a closer or something. Yeah, but, that was, but I thought just in the middle of a bit, you know, like, it was sort of like, oh, no, I was at the bank the other day and this guy's in front of me like... Whoosh, oh, God. Like, and then just never mention it. Never mention it. Imagine following that, like, oh, he's doing backflips again. You're waiting in the wings like, fuck, what but, can I do? But you, it wouldn't be that because it would be, it'd be, ah, oh, the backflip guy, the fucking Yeah, you'd shit. hate him. Is he ever going to write any material like, he's doing roly-polies now right it's like the puppet guy You're like i can't follow that that's a whole different thing <laughs> yeah it's not funny when you're younger it's, as soon as someone pulls out a guitar you're like oh, oh fuck. i'm done you gotta close man you have to go at the end so you went to your first ever english football game yesterday yeah so it was arsenal psv yes four nil to the gunners who did you like the look of who were you impressed with well the coach is hot as hell Arteta. Oh my God, what a handsome <laughs> son of a bee. That's a beautiful man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was with a few ladies. They were like, who's this guy? <laughs> were they uh, Were they all American? All American. They bought the tickets. It was their idea, and uh, they happened to be in town, and they bought us tickets, and uh, fucking front row center, too. We got rained on the whole time, but it didn't matter. Wow, and you were all looking at Arteta. Yes. Who's wearing presumably gray trousers. Yep, and a, and a slicker, like a black windbreaker, but, but the eyes were piercing from across the <laughs> This is so funny. See, I mean, you're literally staring at possibly at the moment 
the second best football team in in England. Yeah, they were great. I mean, it was and like all you were looking at zero. was Arteta. Well, not all. Of that's what they were looking at. But I was into the game and I was trying to do the chants, Red Army, Red Army, and I couldn't pick up everything. It sounded like another language. I I went to watch the LA Galaxy mm. when Steven Gerrard made his debut, mm-hmm. and Robbie Keane used to play for Ireland. Scored, and after he scored, the announcer went, "The goal scorer, Robbie," uh-huh. and the whole crowd went, "Keane, Robbie," and the whole crowd went, "Keane, Robbie." Oh, really? Keen. That's and fun. then the guy said, um, thank you. And then the whole crowd went, you're welcome. <laughs> and you could, you could feel, but you could feel all the English people in there going, we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to start a fight here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it was so like sedate yeah. and, and peculiar. That's and, weird. But it feels like Americans would do songs and shouting very well. And that's the beauty of sports is like we were on the tube on the way there and you know everybody's dressed up, they got the gear on and they're just so amped. You could feel it was almost like a like an orgasm. They're like, "Oh, and when those doors open, they all ran and then we're all in the tunnel together walking out and they're like, "Ah!" And one guy's like, "Get the fuck out of my way. I'm trying to see the kickoff." Yeah. And that energy was amazing. That yeah. was my favorite part. It's one of the few things. So I'm a Liverpool fan and I've got a season ticket and there's a guy called Rob that I sit next to. I think I've hugged Rob more than I have my dad. Exactly. Like, like, uh, like honestly, like I've I've grabbed hold of him and properly shook him. That's what sports will do to you. And I don't think women have that. It's because uh, it's really just aggression. You got to get out because these guys are running down the street. They're jumping on each other's backs, headlocks, and all that. It's a religion. It is that you don't mind belonging to. It's such a togetherness. And there's a song. Yeah. Right. That, so there's each chance, the psalms. But the, the, there is there's a hymn that plays before Liverpool. Oh. Called, uh, it's called "You'll Never." walk alone wow and it's it genuinely it's, it's the great gra- it's the greatest no one it, gets molested you know you don't have to memorize anything it's there's no uh <laughs> rules really it's just fun and it's all made up just like religion it's like these this is a arbitrary ball goes in a in a net yeah. yay what's the next thing you got oh we should, okay we keep on rolling mortar and pestle you know like the yeah. little uh, so when I was uh, about 19 or 20, my brother was in the Peace Corps in Africa. Okay. In Guinea. Right. Which is really on the edge of Africa there, on the west side. And uh, my parents uh, got a wild hair up their ass and said, let's go visit him. We'll never go to Africa, probably. We're never going to go to this tiny village. Let's go visit him. He was there for two years. We got there. We did Morocco, Rabat, Fez. All We worked our way down. It was a hell of a trip. And we got to Guinea, and he was in a little village called Conakry. And it was like, I mean, huts, just eating paste, don't shake their right hand, because that's what they wipe their ass with. I remember I shit in a hole, a bunch of cockroaches came out, mosquito nets to sleep. It was bananas. And um, and I'm glad I went. It was just eye-opening as a young kid from Louisiana. How old? I was about 1920. Okay. So I was young and stupid. We had to wear daishikis. They gave us the garb. What's um, a daishiki? A daishiki is that kind of patterned one mumu thing that they wear over there. It's, yeah. You've probably seen it. It's, it's a certain yellowy orange pattern. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think and so. And they have hats, but like the women can't talk. They're doing the hair braiding, you know, one by one by one. It was it was wild. AIDS was rampant. We're driving through jungles to get from town to town. It was quite a trip. Jesus, you're, I mean, your parents, man. They are <laughs> open-minded, to yeah, say yeah. the least. And how long were you there for? I think we did about two weeks. Because, you know, you did Morocco, Fez, Rabat. And we drove down with a uh, with a guide, and he was uh, 
you know, a local guy, yeah. an Egyptian guy. And uh, it was, yeah, I live in New Orleans growing up. So yeah. this was this what, was a sight. What is the Peace Corps? Oh, like, you don't know the Peace Corps? No. I, oh, I'm sure you have a version of it. It's where a bunch of young kids get together and go help a marginalized nation or a, a underprivileged group. Yeah. Like when Katrina happened, all these people's houses got ruined. So the Peace Corps came in and helped fix the houses and it's, so you donate it, your time. Is it? It's not a sort of a faction of the army. I don't think so. I think it's its own thing. It's it's like a, it's almost charity like. Okay. Yeah. So he was just that was his full time job. He was just out there trying to. Yeah, you could go to Darfur, you could go to Somalia, you could go wherever, but he picked Africa. What? And how long did he do that for? He did it for two years. That's the the minimum. And he taught kids math in French. And I saw the school. It was just a hut with benches, no desk. No, no, it was all wood. Yeah. And he had a chalkboard and he would teach these kids math to help them kind of progress in life. And uh, it was it was insane. What was your sort of takeaway from it all? Uh, just how good we have it. We're spoiled. We don't need all this. They seem happier than us. Yeah. Somehow primitive as hell. Starvation, poverty, just mm. crazy. Like how much extra shit we have. Like a video game to them is like, what do you create a video game? Mm. Like that's so far removed. TV is so far removed. But the problem was my brother was like, you guys have no no protein. What if we raise chickens? I'll build a coop. We can have eggs. We can have. And they're like, now easy white man, take it easy. Don't try to come in here and conquer. And he's like, I'm just saying it'd be healthier <laughs> and you'd have more protein and nutrients. And they were like, nah, we do it how we do it. And yeah. he's like, all right. So that that was a sight to see. I remember doing. I went to Liberia for comic relief. Wow. And, um, the, a similar thing where you just realise, you know, just ki kids in these kind of villages and the whole community raising the kids. And I had two cans of Fanta, mm. you know, the fizzy drink. Sure. And I had a sip and basically said, "Hey, who, who wants it?" So the kids clearly it was like the first can of Fanta they'd had. Wow. And they sort of passing it around, just like orange fizz in their mouth. Like, this is absolutely incredible. And I felt extraordinary. Yeah. I just felt like I, do you know what I mean? Sort You're of a god. Th this, yeah, this gift. And then I had to do a video where they were, later on, they were just sort of saying, can you just walk around the village, try and look sad mm. so that we can have this and we can cut it into the <laughs> film. So we were trying to do this video, but but everywhere, these kids would just see me and be like, like that uh, big big thumbs yeah, up and exactly. kind of go like that and like that. <laughs> so so none of the kids look sad, right? <laughs> because I was walking around like there he is, it's fizzy Jesus <laughs> like that. <laughs> fizzy Jesus. But it was, but it's that frustrating thing that rather than capture the truth of that, you, that whenever you sort of do those sort of charity things, it's like no no no, this is the this is the video we have to do. We yeah. have to get this sad video, and it's like what. They like look sad. I can't look sad, right? Right. Because that little kid is smiling at me <laughs> so much. Very <laughs> weird. We and I had to do a video where so there was a man who carried his baby in, and apparently he'd been walking for two days from a village. The baby was dying, and they gave the baby this kind of breast milk substitute. It was like proper, like full protein, and I kind of saw the kid kind of come back to life because of this. And then they kind of put a camera in your face, and they say, "What is it?" I said, "Well, you know, if you got any money." This costs five pounds. If you've got money to give, then give it. Because I've just seen these doctors give this baby a breast milk replacement and this baby's now going to live. So I capture wow. all this kind of stuff. Wow. But the director then goes, can you do it again? Oh. <laughs> but can you not say breast milk substitute because there'll be some people that will get a bit upset. Oh. Because and it was and this was years ago, but it was that thing where you just go... We're saving lives here. You're but, worried about but, the language? Yeah, but that was... It was 
whatever I said was what I had to say. Sure. And then and then you're doing retakes, but it was almost they knew it was bullshit, but it was that well we better just in case. Right. Do you know right. what I mean? It's of course. That, it's that frustrating thing in the world of kind of fucking entertainment yes. where you just go nobody. And and if they do, they're a fucking moron. They're a psycho. But who looks at a little baby that's just come back to life and goes, "What about me?" Yeah, you know, <laughs> well, it, was, yeah. it was. We do that. Yeah, but some people do. Apes. They still do. I mean, remember that Sam Kinison bit where he's like, they have to shoot the kids. You know, for a cup of coffee, you could save this little African child. And there, are, there's a huge movie set with a with a video village and a craft services. And they go, you could just give the kid a sandwich. No, no, he's got to look hungry for the video. You know. <laughs> How is the pestle and mortar relevant? Well, that was every night for dinner. We'd sit around a fire, and the ladies would do the the grain. They would smash it, smash it, and then they made it into this weird, horrific paste. And that was dinner, and you ate it with your hands. Was it? And was it, it wasn't tasty? No, it tasted like <laughs> dirt and sadness. It was just gooey, pasty, dry, just. Uh, just a paste, and it was it was horrible. It had no flavor. Does that just remind you of how lucky you are to just bite into a burger? Pretty much, yeah. You get so easy to go out and get it. But I'll tell you, the sad thing is, you were there so long and hungry all day that you're like, "Oh, give me that paste, baby! Yeah, I can't wait." So you you inhaled it. It's kind of nuts, isn't it? How quickly the human body adapts. Exactly. Like so, I did gigs in New Zealand just as COVID, the second wave was hitting. So I had to go to a hotel oh, wow. and stay in a hotel for two weeks. And all you were allowed to do was walk for an hour in, wow. in a circle. And yet, by the third day, that walk for an hour was the greatest yes. thing. And it's, it's sort of like that thing, isn't it? It's amazing how quickly you adapt when that becomes paradise 100 percent, and yeah. we could all do that to ourselves we could just take it down a notch but we want all we want we want everything out of 10 like i during covid we weren't allowed to leave and i went to a 7-eleven yeah and I, it was like disneyland yeah, the yeah. colors the sweets the the <laughs> drinks it was insane yeah and just buying the the shit was fun it was like oh i'm giving money we got a guy here i'm like how are you what's going on you know it was like an amusement park. And then sort of, like you say, a week after that, you're like, ah, fuck, just take it out of that. It's amazing yes, how quickly it just quick. becomes like, meh. Exactly. Well, you, that's why child stars are all on heroin, because they're like, I've seen all, I've had everything given to me. It, it's been great. I need heroin. And then once you get the heroin, you die. Yeah. Because you got to keep upping it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Do you know what I think as well? Like, because we forget how lucky we are to stay in hotels. Yeah. So if you take somebody that isn't used to staying in hotels with you, it really makes you realize that's true how incredible it's like hang on you've got a mini bar because you're now sort of you know very established in the u.s and you're kind of but you've been like a a road dog for years years right? yeah so when did you first start i started in 06 07 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah moved straight to new york because new orleans has no scene really yeah. no club or anything so i went straight to new york bomb forever started opening for amy schumer and then tom papa and then louis ck and then just jerry seinfeld eventually so it just Tick by tick, work my way up. What's it like uh, gigging with someone like Seinfeld? It's funny with comics, where there's not a, a ton of difference. Like, him, to me, is crazy wealth and fame, and he's an icon, and I'm not. But you hang out, and we're just talking bits. Yeah. You know, I don't think musicians have... Like, Mick Jagger isn't going to hang out with some barroom guitar guy. There's it, too much of a chasm. Yeah, with comics, good... there isn't. That's a good point, eh? That's a really good point because it always, 
you're right, irrespective of the fame, it comes, particularly if you've both seen each other work. Yes. That's when it all clicks in, I think. Right. If you've seen somebody gig. That's what it is. You suddenly go, ah, yeah, he's all right. She's all right. Like, uh, until that moment, there's always that kind of, what's happening here? And and for him, it's all about how, how much do you love this? Yeah. You know, so not only does he care about the work and how good it is, but it's like, are you obsessed? Are you a nerd? Do you think about this constantly? The only time he comes to life is when he's talking about stuff. Yeah. You can sort of tell for the rest of it, just not interested. I think it was him that said that. Jokes are, they're visual, I think, as in you see something and it is funny and your brain makes all the connections. Yeah. You go, and then our job is to find the words that can convey the visual image right. to the audience. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes, that, you have to be accessible. You have to put your weird thoughts and make them understand it. But you've seen it and you've gone boomph and then it's like, okay, how do I take everyone on that journey? Yes. Do you know, I remember seeing a cone on, you know, like a traffic cone mm-hmm. on top of a uh, bus stop. Yeah. Just driving one night and it it looked like... A hat? It, yeah, it looked like somebody, had put, a, a, a wizard had died. Right, right. But, but, yeah. so, but my brain straight away was dead wizard. Yeah. Like, so, and I just wrote on my phone, Dead Wizard. And I can't even remember the gag, but it became a, a one minute bit yes. about that. But in your brain, you went, do, 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 do. You do all those things. Exactly. Without words. Yes. Is, is my point. That's the job. And I would, that's argue, the job. But I'd argue Seinfeld is the king of that. Yeah. Of, of like, yes. Seinfeld looks like he should be covered in sort of oil. Because he just looks like a guy that's... He's wrenching away. He's just fucking tinkering. Yeah, yeah, he you is. Know? He is tinkering. And the funny thing is, I think that's why we were such weird kids and maybe misfits and felt misunderstood is because you're making those naturally yeah. and you're hanging out with a bunch of guys who aren't. So they're like, what? Shut up. Russell's yeah. weird. Yeah. You're like, am I weird or am I on to something? And when I get in front of an audience, I'll show you. One of my favorite Mitch Hedberg jokes that sums up a comedy brain, it's where he kind of goes, I mumble a laugh stage. I'm a mumbler. Do you know that joke? So I'll be with uh, a friend so. of mine and I'll say something and he'll be like, what? And then I'll say it a little bit louder and he'll be like, what? Oh, yeah. But it's just some insignificant shit. But yeah. now I'm yelling, that tree is far away. Oh, wow. Yes. And it's that. It's such a brilliant joke. Right. What, what is it? Right. I don't, I don't really know, but it's him so perfectly describing, this is the kind of guy I am. Yes. But it's an observation about being peculiar. Yes. And, but and only it, he could make that funny. Exactly. In itself, that is not funny. No, nope. But the way he constructs the beginning and the setup, it's so good. And you've and somehow through that one-liner, you you understand his entire personality. Yes, yeah, exactly. Man. You get to know him. So a lot of people, he's not personal. I like a personal guy. But that is personal because he's letting you know where his brain goes. Well, he's letting you know that he is never there. Yeah. <laughs> he's always somewhere. <laughs> Fuck, I, lo- I remember, I only heard of him the, the night he died. And oh, me, wow. Me and John Richardson, as uh, a British comic, kind of listened to an old CD of his. Jesus Christ, what a comedian, man. Oh, yeah, he's very different. Fuck. Very... Weird seeing him live, I heard. I heard it was a little uh, clunky, like some stuff would hit, then some stuff wouldn't. A little boring almost. Then, right. when, then when he had a great one, then you then two weird ones after that. So oh, it really? wasn't all... Obviously, the album is hit by hit and hit. Before that, it was just a lot of, is this anything? No. And you're like, what, what was that joke? But he had to try it. That's interesting. Yeah. Do you find that as a sort of a one-liner guy? If you're doing a live show, is it like... It's the show, let's say. It's all the stuff that has been promoted. And then if you're in New York working it up, it can be like... Oh, yeah, all the time. All the time. And back to the being understood thing, 
I think as you get older as a comic, you want to go, how weird can I go and hold them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Louis calls them long shots. Right. Like, let me throw this long shot out there, and if I get that to work, it's an even better feeling than just getting this joke to work. Yeah, yeah. And I think those are what I've been throwing out lately, and I think the crowd is pulling back more, but it's just because I'm chasing that, let's see how far away we can go and how weird we can go, and you still understand me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm in that phase now, and it's it's getting weird. And are you... Uh, uh... Are you a writer, or are you a? Uh, I presume you write, but yeah. like, but you don't write on stage. I will here and there, like, oh, that line, that riff worked. I'll yeah, keep yeah, that. Yeah. But these guys are like, I write on stage. I don't write in at my house or in private. I'm like, I think you're just lazy. Yeah, <laughs> I find a little of that to be self-indulgent. Yeah, you have a notebook before you go on. Yeah, 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 yeah. big time. Yeah, same. I like. It's funny, isn't it? I remember used to, I used to get shit as a kid. You know, I don't know if you've seen True Detective. Sure. You know the big the notebook. I I know oh, I, d- yeah. I didn't like the small ones that everyone had. I don't either. So I had a big, big fat Ryman's job, and I would have all <laughs> these kind of notes and. Yeah, Jim Gaffigan's of... like he's got a binder with with clips in the middle to say, oh, this is the the food stuff. This is the family stuff. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. But do you write it long form or is it bullet points or is it? Uh, it... For me, I, I write the idea. Like I'll say, I have a joke about horses. I'll just write horses colon and then bullet point bullet point bullet point for the punchline yeah 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 but it's it gets pretty hairy because you know oh let me put that in i don't want to lose that line and then i'll put stuff in the margin so my sheet looks serial killery yeah (laughs) i was on the highway the other day in dublin we were going to some gig i saw a car pulling a trailer full of horses and i thought hey horses have come a long way because they used to pull us Yeah, yeah and i said that in the car and everybody's like huh and then i did on stage and it killed yeah 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 so i'm like you see you never know. But again, and then straight away, my brain is like, you know, there's a, there's a moment for an act out of just the horse smoking. <laughs> yes, you know what yes, I mean? It's exactly. kind of like, we made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at us. These idiots are pulling us now. We just, we hung in there long enough to where it flipped. <laughs> because there's a real journey for horses because like, if it goes really badly, you become glue. Yeah, but, yeah. But if it goes, but if it goes really well, you end up on a stud farm. Yeah, banging other horses, banging other horses, and maybe a farmer. Yeah, but yeah. But look at that. But as far as journeys go, do you know what I mean? That's it's, true. It doesn't get more binary than glue or fucking. Right. <laughs> like, but, but like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But see, now we got comedy here. But that's now. Yeah. But but what I was thinking, it's that when when I, I remember seeing the horses. Like, there's a big sign, no horses allowed on the motorway. Uh-huh. I was thinking, like, how often does it have to happen? Right, right. Because presumably that's a rare moment that someone gets a steed and goes down a highway. Yeah. Before someone says, we're going to have to put a sign up here <laughs> to, uh, to figure it out. Ireland's a fun place to, oh, to do comedy. It's kind of like, a, do you do Vicar Street? I did. One of the best. I mean, top and 10 in, in, the, in the world, I'd it's, say. It's so perfect. Something and it's, about it. It's that thing of, like, there's an arena there... Uh, which is fine. Mm. But that, if you can, like, if you're lucky enough to be able to do, like, a week there in Vicar Street, oh. it's unbelievable because also spending time walking around Ireland, it's a funny place. Things are happening. Yes. There's there, there's a, there's just a natural kind of, you know, energy to the place. And 100%. The gigs are so chatty. Like, I was chatting about a, uh, I was chatting about Amsterdam mm. and a lady told me, that she'd been thrown out of a sex club, which is a huge. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was like, and she was For like, "What? Yeah, well, exactly." So, yeah. The, so instantly, the gig is like, "Okay, well, let's put a pin in the gig, right?" And we're kind of, "What do you mean you've been thrown out of a sex club?" And she was so Irish. There's such a natural poetry. She kind of went, uh, "There was a lady on stage having a go on herself with a dildo, right?" 
having a go on herself with a dildo. Already, it's uh, poetic. Uh, and she went, and I was inspired. Ah. <laughs> but the, the, like, as far as a heckle, yeah. I mean, how beautifully phrased is that? Yeah. So she could have said, "I was slung out for for fingering," but <laughs> but which is essentially what happened. But uh, and I was inspired. Yeah. Like it's. There is a natural comedy oh, 100%. from the Irish. And just going from Lisbon to Berlin to Antwerp, then getting to Ireland, it was like a punch in the face of like, oh, this is comedy. These people are, they're ball busty. They get it. It was it was night and day. Yeah. In, which I don't, I think it might be the oppression they've gone through, the, the IRA stuff, the Northern Ireland, the British stuff. I don't know, but they just, the famine, who knows? But they something is pulled out of them where they're all funny. I saw like an Irish you know, folk band and it's a bunch of old guys and between songs they were killing. Yeah. Yeah. On, on, like naturally. They weren't even trying to kill. What is your did you have a like number one sort of stand up as a kid? Yeah, well for me it was Carlin. Okay. All, all the way. Car and Chris Rock when I was in Bring high school. Pain. Bring the pain and yeah. bigger and blacker were like, Whoa, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. That yeah, was yeah. a whole different thing. And then Norm MacDonald, obviously, was the first guy. I'm like, oh, I've never seen anyone do it like this. Yeah. He had a whole different rhythm and uh, cadence. And Well, you've got a bit of Norm MacDonald about Did Does huge. that get said? All the time. Yeah, huge yeah. influence. Yeah. And I got Normand in the name, so people compare me all the time. Curly I, hair. There was a brilliant bit that I remember seeing him do, and it was the bit about his mate dressing up as the... <laughs> his mate dresses up as the devil. Oh, and yeah, And yeah. says, um, you know, I think it's like, hey, imagine if you dressed up as the devil and you went up to your mate and you said, kill your wife. Yeah. And uh, then the next day you're like, well, ah, only joking. And it's yeah. just this bit where he's like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> you killed your wife? What a dork. <laughs> I, I killed my wife here. Like, and it's, and it's, it's this whole thing of like, I ruined my whole life. And like, it's just this beautiful bit of, and his face is so crushed. You, yeah. You, you feel like you're there next to a fence in some American town. Yes. Again. I've ruined my whole life here. <laughs> <laughs> So I noticed you had oh, a clipboard on here. A clipboard is because one time I met a woman when I first started doing comedy. She was the box office girl and she was super beautiful. And she had a clipboard and she was doing the seating, you know, and I talked to her after the show. We, we had a drink. We hooked up and the sex was so passionate. I'm not a sexy guy. Look at me. But the sex was so just uh, uninhibited and pheromones and crazy that we both were having sex and we both shouted, I love you, at the exact same time. Never wow. met this woman in my life. Oh. Yeah, and it was wild. And then we would we would continue to have sex, you know, every time I went back to that club for a little while. So... This is like 15 years ago, but just something, there was some connection we had. Wow. Yeah, no, it was like that. And then it just, eventually we stopped. We're still friends, but we just stopped kind of hooking up because it wasn't that first time. Right. And it was wild. Something, just to say it in sync that yeah. first time, it was insane. So every time you see a clipboard... Yes. You, you... I think of her. Wow. So I got the guy on the street going, hey, you want to give money to the kids? And I'm I like, love oh. You. oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And this isn't the woman you're married to? No, so she's going to hate this. But we have a great time too. Yeah. But uh, I got her a clipboard and tried to get some feelings. <laughs> it didn't work. But uh, yeah, it's it's something about that lady. We just had a thing. And does your does your wife sort of travel with you as you do stand-up? Yeah, yeah, every now and then. Okay. And I think we all, we regret it every time. 
because she'll come to, oh, you're going to Miami. That's a fun city. I'll go to Miami. And then we get there and she's like, what are we doing? I'm like, well, I got to go on in two hours, so we can't go too far. And then I want to, I want to do a little writing, prepare. And she's like, what am I doing here? And I'm like, we're here for the gig. So that it always gets uh, awkward. It's, It's hard, isn't it? Because it's sort of the idea of it. When you look at sort of like an itinerary and you're like, wow, you're doing all these things. And you're like, yeah, but it's, it'll mostly be, backstage yeah yeah sort of sat there writing out stuff and... exactly and then you go on and she's like how long you're like i'll be out there for an hour and she's like i'll sit here do you know what is fun like i figured out the way last time i i did amsterdam me and my wife went in advance of the gig mm. so i went i think we were doing a gig on the i think we were doing a gig on the monday weirdly mm. but we kind of went there on the friday so I had like a weekend in amsterdam so i had a great fun weekend yeah and then she left on the Sunday to go back to work. Yeah. And then I had the Monday to kind of write and chat about the things we'd seen. It was the perfect way of doing it. Exactly. But exactly. it means it's a very expensive way of doing comedy because it means <laughs> wherever you go, you have to go there three days in a row. Yes. But if you're lucky enough to do that, because my experience of gigging in America is very weird because I'm super lucky. So I can do, you know, big rooms here, big rooms in Australia, pretty big rooms in Europe. And then I go to the States and I'll do a, we did the town hall in New oh, York, great which room. was amazing. But but the level I'm at, it's, I, I, I guess I'm somewhere between 500 and 1,000, which is amazing. Yeah. Like, it's fucking incredible. But it's all kind of one-nighters. Right. So just the flipping hell. The, like, the same. It's, it's hard, man, to travel around that. But if you could get to that stage where you yeah. could do... Imagine doing like a weekend, yes. a weekend in Chicago. Oh, Jesus! The By the end of it, you'd have ten minutes, twenty minutes on Chicago. Yeah, and I, it. Uh, sorry, I did Australia, and I did it for about a, three weeks. Yeah, and it's the same country, but it was different cities. So by the end of it, I had a whole Australia chunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's hard to do that because Dublin. It's like you said, Dublin is so different than Belgium, which is so different than Amsterdam, which is so different than Berlin. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? That's what I found about gigging in the states that it was. I remember having stuff about New York mm. and just like struggling with it as a place. That was a line that I had was like, New York, so good they named it twice. Did they or did they have to repeat themselves because you wouldn't shut the fuck up? <laughs> That's a good and, line. Which is all right. Yeah. But it worked in America because clearly everyone likes bagging on New York. Sure. But then you come, I remember gigging in the UK and they're like, huh? Right. Because New York is this amazing place. Sure. So, the, the, the do you know what I mean? You go, oh, that joke, I see, I that joke see. really works in America. Well, it doesn't work, you know. And, yeah, Americans and, are sick of New York. Yeah. Here and, it's but, a special, it's a treat, it's a destination. The, everyone in New York feels like they are sort of just grinding and yes. just get, and it, it, it feels like as an outsider, quite hard to kind of just go, you're right. And we met ages ago. Do you remember that? I opened for you. Fuck off. Yeah, I I, I brought a girl. It was years ago, and I I, I struggled a little because my act was very dark. It was like Holocaust and cancer, and and I felt like you were kind of a more light and fun. And it was a lot of hot girls in the crowd, and I, so I kind of died. Was that the Gramercy? No, was it the I think the Highline Ballroom? It was on the West Side. I remember you sold it out. Fuck. I mean, this must have been eleven years ago. Why didn't you say that when we met? I thought you knew. <laughs> no, fuck. I didn't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I was just a local they threw on. 
And we met in the green room, but you were super, you had a lot of people back there. So I was like, hey, I'm going to go on. I'll do 15. You said, great. And then you killed. Oh, man. But I, was, I wasn't a dick, hopefully. No, no. But you were busy. But right, right, you were, right. You were nice. I was excited. But I, the last time I met you was at Gotham. Yes. Uh, and I went up to you. Yes. That was that was nice. But I had an energy, which must have freaked you out, because you must have thought we already knew each other. So I came up to you and was like, hey, man, huge fan. I think you're great. Yeah. And you were like, same. Yes. I'm a fan of yours. But I, I, I figured you didn't remember. And then uh, I took it as a win, like kind of bombed in front of this guy 10 years ago. And now here he is saying he's a fan. So I was like, I'll take it. Oh, mate. That's yeah. progress. Right. And, and then some. Fuck. Isn't it weird, you know, that one of the worst things for that, I remember, you know Ed Sheeran, the musician? Yeah, yeah. So Ed Sheeran gave me a copy of his demo. Whoa! Years ago. I love that. Backstage at a music gig. I love it. And I was like, oh, cool, good luck with it all, man. And uh, I've no idea where it is. <laughs> wow. I, but I'm sitting on a fortune. Oh, like, my it's gone. God. But I clearly got home and just went, whoosh, <laughs> like that. <laughs> but, and, and as Dan will know, I'm, not, I'm a pretty untidy guy. But, right. But yeah, I'm, I threw away a lot of money, so it's similar. Well, I have, I have Pete Davidson's first condom. No, no. <laughs> what is the next one? Let's have this will be the final one. Okay, so uh, a Mets hat, because uh, at Gotham, I did a gig, and you know, just running around, running around, never took my foot off the gas as a comic, and. You you never really getting enough, and you're always struggling and think you're failing. Mm -hmm. And then I, I got off stage. I had a good set, and Seinfeld was standing there, and he goes, "Hey, good set." And I didn't know he was there. And I remember being like, "Oh my god, thank God I didn't know. That would have gotten into my yeah, head." Yeah, yeah. And he goes, "I'm a fan." And I go, "What?" And he goes, "Wait for me after my set." Wow. And I got to wait for it, and we hung out for like two hours. Oh. Yeah, and I remember he had a Mets hat on, and the first ten minutes we were in a green room together was horrifying. But yeah. after that, it just Talking comedy, cars, baseball, gigs, specials. It was so, you, so normal. So you hung out for two hours with Seinfeld. Yeah. So did you go for food? No, we just sat in the green room and talked. Wow. Yeah. And then I remember at the end, he was like, take my number. And I go, I will never use it. He goes, use it, use it. And I, I had like four other shows that I just blew off, obviously, yeah. to talk to him. And my phone's blowing up. Where the hell are you? You're on next. And I just ignored <laughs> all of it. And I skipped around the city for like an hour. God. So it's little moments like that. If you just stay in there and keep your head down and keep working, you'll get you'll get there. And it's it's so funny, isn't it? That moment as a comedian, when somebody you adore says, "Hey, you're you're pretty good." Oh, the, the best. Because I think I'm right in saying there's uh, Bill Burr had a moment when Chappelle said to him, "Yes, when he was younger, it's going to take you a little longer." But when it hits, it's going to hit big. And that kept him going. Six years, he said. Yeah. And it was probably, that was probably just Chappelle throwing a line out. Completely. And yet, somehow, it's those little moments that yeah. you cling on to, isn't it? Well, as comics, you really only have other comics. Like, the industry will help you out here and there. Hey, Netflix is calling. But it's really other comics going, come open for me. Come mm -hmm. do my podcast. Let me get you in here. Yeah. It's really each other we got to stick out for. Yeah, man. Do you feel like a pressure now that you're kind of blowing up a bit to help others along totally i try to bring everybody i have a youtube channel that's kind of got a lot of followers so i put young guys special on my channel oh do you yeah just to throw them a bone yeah yeah and who are the guys at the minute oh geez we got uh, matt ruby doug key and then there's just so many anthony devito there's so many carmen lynch is hilarious there's so many funny chad daniels all these great comics that 
they just don't have that like some people have that crazy drive where they're like I'm gonna make it no matter what yeah. and these people are hilarious but they don't really have that fire in the ass that they need to yeah. to push through but uh, so I'm trying to help push them, push them through I feel like you and uh, Sam Morell ha- yeah, yeah. have that energy from the outside of like a couple of guys that it feels like the world of comedy in America wanted you to win. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it didn't Where, feel like that for us. No, no, no. But from the outside. Oh, it, okay. So you would put a YouTube special on. Yep. And which was a failure, by the way. Which, well, it's not. It's not a, anymore. But at the time, we're like, I guess we'll put it on here. But my point being, all the comments are, "This is fantastic. It's such a great set. It's so oh, it's so tight." But all the comments are things like. Why is he not enough for yeah, Netflix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it felt like there was this groundswell. And similar with Sam when he did the... I think we, I, no, maybe it was a special at the cellar and then he did another one at the roof. Yes. But the, again, the thing is, when, the da, da, when, da, you yeah. know what I mean? And it just felt like from the outside, it felt like you were you were growing an army. Right, right. Well, but in it, a good way, like as, yeah. as in that they're saying, I really like these guys... Why can't I have them do yeah. an, an hour special? So what is that to go from, like you say, YouTube self-funded specials? So that moment when you get a Netflix special, because now, like, I've so I've done two, and to me, that moment when I, I always had this fixation about the HBO special. Sure. As as a kid, it, it felt like that's the thing, the pinnacle. That's and it sort of feels like it's Netflix now. Yeah. But that moment when you're you're doing a Netflix special. What does that feel like? It's a win, and it feels good that you got there, but I I do get a little angry about it because I'm like, I'm the same guy. But yeah. now, because all these other people validated me, now you're on board. Yeah. So I do have a little bit of a bitterness about it, but it, obviously I'm glad to have it. Yeah. So it, that, that annoys me because you almost had to go, hey, guys, what do you think of this hour? And they go, who are you? Shut up. Yeah. And then you go, hey, guys, look at all these people who like me, and they're like, Bring it in, baby. We're happy to have you. And you're yeah. like, I'm the same guy. Yeah, you just didn't have the balls to take a chance on me, which I get. It's a business thing. You know, they're like, we can't take why we got we got Sebastian Maniscalco over here. Why are we putting you up? Which I get it, but it also is like, shouldn't you have a little bit of knowledge or wherewithal to see something is is quality? Yeah, yeah. So I do have a little bitterness about it, but I'm happy to be on the platform. I think it happens even more in acting now that yeah. so, so actors are asked, how many followers have you got? Right. Like in an audition. Crazy. So I guess it's just a, it's a numbers thing, isn't it? Yeah. But the industry, I think, is so clueless that we almost have to show them now. I think back in the day, you had a guy with a little bit of a instinct. Like, yeah. this guy's got something. I believe in him. I'm. You got your feet up on a desk with a cigar going, this kid's got it. We're going to push him and have him make it. And now it's like, oh, you made it? We'll put you on. Mm. It's very, very safe now. But it's all, it's like the same reason they make Marvel movies and they don't make... Pulp Fiction. Yeah. You know, obviously Tarantino's huge now, but he had to work his way in mm. and we had to do that. Yeah. So it's good and bad, but thank God for the internet. Well, the mad thing is the internet is the reason you can do gigs in like Lisbon and yes. Dublin and see the world. What's, totally. What's next? Mm. You're in the middle of a tour? London tonight. Yeah. Or Hackney Empire, whatever that S- is. Still London. Okay, great. <laughs> Also, hack in the title is a little awkward. But yeah, hack the empire, and then we go to Manchester, then Birmingham, then Scotland, then we're done. But for me right now, it's just I put out a special a month and a half ago, and I'm just trying to build. And, and is this a new show from the special? It is, but it it's about a good half hour, then a clunky 20. 
So I'm trying to, if you like seeing the process, come on by. Because <laughs> uh, it is, I'm really, it's this awkward, weird thing where they're like, your special's doing well, you're selling tickets, now go back out there. And I'm like, but I gave it all away. Yeah, it's funny, eh? I know what you mean. It's And we live in an era now where you have to give it all away. But that, getting an hour that's rock solid. Oh, it takes a while, years. It takes a while. And then as soon as it's out, it's like, go again. Yes, and you're yes. like, man. Right. That was fucking brilliant. Okay. Um, ladies and gentlemen, the wonderful Mark Norman. Hey, hey. That was great, man. Cheers, hey, buddy. Hey, thank you. So that was Mark Norman's Wonderbox. If you want to see more of Mark, he's got a Netflix special called Soup to Nuts, or you could travel over to the States and watch him live because you've missed the UK gigs. But maybe next time. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week to lift the lid on another guest's Wonderbox. Box.